Come on. Savage, Savage Approach to Personal Finance. This is George Grombacher and the time is right. Welcome to today's guest, strong and powerful Dave Pitnaik. Dave, are you ready to do this? I am so ready to do this, George. Excellent. Let's do this. Dave is the CEO of Jump, a strategy and innovation firm he co-founded in 1998. He is a frequent keynote speaker. His writing has been featured in Forbes, Business Week, Fast Company, and many others. He is the author of Wired to Care, and his forthcoming book, Unleash, is a playbook for leaders trying to grow their businesses in times of extreme change, which is certainly what we are in right now. And I'm excited to have you on, Dave. Tell us a little bit about your personal life, some more about your work, and why you do what you do. Absolutely. So, um... I have two beautiful kids, and I live in San Mateo, California. So, um, although it seems that I, more often than not, I, I live in seat you know 9D of Delta Airlines <laughs> around. Um, but yeah, I I spend a lot of time with uh, companies of all sizes, helping them figure out how to um, navigate the world around us. Uh, you know, we do jump does innovation and strategy work, and we used to think innovation meant how do we come up with the next cool new thing? And I think what we've learned is that is only part of it. Real innovation nowadays is figuring out how to be resilient with everything that life is throwing at you. And so we spend more time on helping companies to be resilient than anything else. And do you find that this is probably too intense a question, but are we in a time where companies need to be able to innovate or for, uh, for, for lack of a better term, they'll die? It is, it is absolutely true. It's, it's, just, it's not a choice anymore. I, you saw this last week uh, when, when GE fell out of the Dow, right? And it's not that GE is not a perfectly good company for what they do, but it's like, can you continue to innovate? Can you continue to grow? And it is, you know, that, that, that was the company I've got that written down and circled on my notes here is, is GE because that seems like, I mean, the gold standard for companies in the United States, maybe, maybe forever. And all of a sudden, for whatever reason, probably for yeah. a million different reasons, um, they've fallen on some hard times. So yeah, I mean, there is, the sad part is there is no gold standard for companies, but there is no forever. Right, and 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 I think we're seeing that any again and again. Look, if I if I ask you in January of two thousand seven, let's go back eleven years. That's ancient history, right? Right. And if I ask you, you know, who are the big cell phone manufacturers? Who are the mobile <laughs> giants to pay attention to? Who would you tell me? You know, somebody was just asking me if I remembered MCI the other day, and I don't remember yeah. what year that was, yeah. but and the device guys, that was Motorola. Uh-huh. Uh, let's see, who else? That was BlackBerry. Right. right. Yeah. Uh, and then the, the other one everybody forgets about is Nokia. Okay, sure. And if, and if I asked you in 2010 who the big uh, mobile device manufacturers were, you tell me Apple, Samsung, and Google. Mm-hmm. I just think about that. It wasn't like Motorola just got into trouble, or just BlackBerry, you know, got into trouble, or just Nokia got acquired. It, you know, the entire leaders, of, you know, the, the entire leading pack. Um, got blindsided, right? It's like the whole industry got up, you know, got thrown apart, right? And not over gradually over the next 15 years. In three years, right? In 900 days, the entire industry blew up, right? And so what does that tell you? It tells you that the world is changing and it's not true just for 
for mobile phones. The world is changing in every industry that we um, that we work in. And uh, if you don't stay ahead of change, um, you're going to get fracked. And that's, I mean, it's so easy. It's one of those things that's way easier said than it is done. I think everybody sits back and says, oh, yeah, I definitely, I want to stay in front of change. But, yeah. I mean, how do you, <laughs> for lack of a better term, how, how do you manage staying in front of it while still running your business. I guess that's the it's trick. So hard, right? it, it, that, that is the trick of it. Right? Um, you, you know, at, at Jump, we have been very lucky over the last 20 years that we have been, been in business. Um, we've been super lucky to work with some of the world's most you know, amazing companies, folks uh, like you know, Samsung and Nike and Target and really, you know, just great companies. And if you look at you know our clients, I think what we find is many of these firms are large organizations that are really good at doing things. They know how to get things done. Not all of these companies are good at learning things, right? Figuring out new things, um, you know, shifting and changing. And it's a completely different skill set uh, than than uh, than what they've been developed to be. So, I want to talk about the difference between these great big companies and then talk about how smaller orgs can take and apply these principles. Um, but let's, let, let's start with the big ones because um, I read an article that you wrote about how big companies are great at dealing with complexity, but they're kind of lousy at dealing with ambiguity. That's right. That's right. And, and the difference between those two kind of problems are really um, you know, it, it makes all the difference, right? If you take big companies are good at, 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 at kind of like really complicated problems. And to me, a complicated problem is like a game of chess, right? A game of chess has, you know, 64 squares and 32 pieces. And they, you know, they, they, they try to program supercomputers to play chess, mm -hmm. but it's a super clear problem though. It's not like the rules are unclear. It's not like in the middle of the game, new pieces appear and you don't know what they do or where they came from. Right? It's a it's a complicated problem, but it's a clear problem. Uh, an ambiguous problem is a problem that's not like playing chess. It's like having your in-laws over to dinner for the first time. Right? <laughs> right? And in that situation, it's what you don't know that you don't know <laughs> killing you. Right? <laughs> um, and so the challenge is that most of the organizations we build, and by organizations, I don't just mean companies. I mean companies, academic institutions, governments, nonprofits, universities. They are all designed for clear, complicated problems. Um, and when they face something that's ambiguous, when they face something where it's like, I don't even know what the question is that I'm shooting for, the gears just grind to a halt and everything stops. And that's what we have to figure out. That's what you know. Th that is the great challenge of our time: are these ambiguous problems, not just the complicated problems. Right. I got it. And I love that. Love the example about the in-laws. I think that that's perfect. <laughs> well, yeah. Dave, I've worked, I've worked in, in, in the insurance and financial world for 17 years with some of the biggest companies. And I, I want to get your take on it. It's a company like, uh, like, uh, um, New York life, for example, it's a fortune 100 company. It's been around for hundreds of years they're in a different position than Google because they're just different businesses. Mm -hmm. But it's, I, I 
think that they're going to have a harder time dealing with this, like GE is probably going to have a harder time with this. So if, if we could just talk about sort of the, the financial sector, if right. kind of break that down. I mean, the, the biggest issues in the financial sector are things that most of the financial sector isn't facing head on. The biggest issues are, are not robo advisory and you know and, and, and the fact that everything's moving online or you know bank of the future stuff which i know they obsess about the biggest issues in, in the financial sector are number one people don't trust banks anymore mm. and and one could argue with with good reason right and number two our our notion of wealth is changed in the last 20 years <laughs> and number three our notion of what to do with our wealth has changed in the last 20 years right um People aren't looking to retire anymore like they used to. They're like, okay, the, the idea used to be that you would retire and then do nothing. And like, I don't know, walk on the beach with your sweetheart, right, while somebody else took care of your money, right? And for many of us, that sounds like a death sentence. People right. retirement, and they say, no, no I, I still have many decades of good life to live, right? right. And so we don't, I mean, it's not just a question of how do you, how do you save for a retirement? That's a very, very important problem that has not gone away. Right? <laughs> but it's well, how do you find meaning in retirement? Right? <laughs> how do you how do you remain useful in retirement? Um, and that's something that, that the financial services industry has struggled to engage with. I think that makes a lot of sense. And I think that they will struggle to do that for, for the foreseeable future, but hopefully they figure it out. So we went up, we studied um, retirees a, a while back, and you know, and at job we have a lot of people with you know social science backgrounds who go out and you know really kind of dig in and hang out with people and see what's going on. And one of the things we you know we noticed, and and if if you know some some of our listeners are are retired, they can tell you this is that retirees like to think about the world in terms of projects. Okay. It's like, I'm planning for this vacation, I'm redoing the, a room in my house, I'm building a deck. You know, they think in terms of, pro and projects are phenomenal for retirees, right? Because they have a start, they have a middle, they have an end, and you feel like you accomplished something, right? Makes and sense. Where it gives you meaning. When you look at how do, how do financial service companies Think of retirement. It's this long green line extending out <laughs> for perpetuity, right? <laughs> that feels like a death sentence. Right. <laughs> it's this death march into, uh, into right. the future somehow with, 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 with no end point. Yeah. How can financial service companies projectify their products, right? Venture capital does this. Venture capital, because VCs are, you know, many of them were engineers to start with. They think like projects. Their funds have a beginning, a middle, and an end. And the fund ends, and you, you cash out, and you say, was that a good time or not? I think that's absolutely fantastic right there. People th people hear retirement planning or retirement, and it's just, yes, it's this ongoing thing that yeah. never has an end to it. So you, yeah. you projectify it. Yeah. Oh, that, wow. Tell me the 10 cool things that you want to do once you stop working. Let's focus on that, and then let's figure out how to prepare for those projects. That's brilliant stuff right there, sir. Jump should go to work for all the financial services companies. <laughs> <laughs> we sometimes do. Yeah, I love sometimes. it. All right, so perfect. So for people who are listening, and they're the CEO of companies, they're the – 
they are an employee at a company. They're the, the chief people officer at a company. Um, <clears throat> how, how do you get started in knowing if your company is in a position to uh, deal with these changes? Um, what's, what does that process look like? Yeah. It, it, the, the, the answer is that most of us are not prepared for this, right? And it's just varying levels of unpreparation. Um, we started at, at Jump, my, my teammates and I started to measure, um, we call it, you know, how much these companies are fracked. I, mean, I love that term fracked, you know, it, it, because it's such a beautiful metaphor for what companies are going to do. I mean, you think about it, you're like a farmer living in Pennsylvania or Ohio, and you're living your life and things are great, but unbeknownst to you, somebody is drilling a mile underground, they're breaking shale rock under your farm, and you wake up one day and you turn on your faucet and your water lights on fire and you have to <laughs> You have been fracked, <laughs> and it has nothing to do about whether you're, you were a good farmer or a bad farmer. You are just totally fracked, right? Um, and we are seeing that, you know, that with companies. There are companies out there that are totally fracked, like fracked and dead, you know, or almost like Kodak, right? There are companies that are getting fracked right now. You know, that they're in a world of hurt, Coke and Pepsi. There are companies that are fighting fracking, you know, that they're trying to, you know, get ahead of it, like United Healthcare. And then there, there are companies who are doing the fracking, what we call the frackers, right? And the frackers are, you know, Amazon and Apple and Google and Facebook and, and um, you know, Netflix and Walmart. And if you're not paying attention to the frackers, you're going to get fracked. I love it. And that's you, you mentioned Walmart at the end, and you would almost think that that's a company that could have gotten fracked, but they became a fracker. So is, is, is that an example of a company that's that's been able to successfully deal with this? It, it's so funny. We, we, you know, we put up this list. We have these categories. We have a scorecard of, of the, what we call the fracked list, and I show it to people. And the first question that always comes up is exactly what you said, George, which is, why is Walmart a fracker? It seems like they are at best fighting fracking, right? <laughs> they had. And I think that's true. We talk about there's one reason, and that's healthcare, right? Mm. Walmart has a capability, and they've made you know grumbles about it over the last five years or so. That at some point they will become the largest healthcare provider in America. Wow! And so, if you're a nice, you know, like where I live in California, Sutter Health, or if you're a Lina in the Midwest, or you know, any intermountain, if you're a nice healthcare system, um, the scale you have is pretty big. But compared to Walmart, you're you're cute. You <laughs> know, you're small compared to what they can pay. And so for that reason alone, we put them on, in the fracker column. Got it. So so perhaps the first step is, is identifying where, where you're at as a company. And, <clears throat> and from there, is it, yeah. is it the, the C-suite that says, okay, we, we need to make some changes? Yeah. It certainly helps if, if, if your CEO – um, starts with that, right? It, it, it certainly helps if you get somebody in that position um, who says, hey, look, we have a crisis. We need to do something about this, right? Um, we do a lot of work with Target. And some of, uh, you know, some of you may remember a few years ago, um, Target had this nasty data breach of God knows who hackers mm -hmm. who came in, right? Um, the, the, the if there was an upside of that of that breach it was that the board woke up the ceo was exited and they kind of had to start fresh and it allowed a new ceo a guy named brian cornell to come in um, with fresh eyes and he started making some radical changes if you were a 
um, a target shareholder, that breach was doing you a mighty big favor because target could have just gone through gradual, you know, slow decline over the next 20 years. Um, or somebody, you know, like lit a fire to say there's something big going on here. We need to change. Got it. That really could have been a, a major blessing in disguise right there, huh? Major blessing. There, there is, you know, there's nothing like a crisis to focus the mind, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Really- and I think that's true even, you know, but that's true not just for the CEO. In, in any organization, you go down to um, in any small team, right? You know, when you have that kind of crisis where you look and say, oh, my goodness, everything we've been working on is just not working anymore. Um, it helps to focus the mind and it, help, and it helps you to move from a, from a stage of mindless execution into one of active learning. You know, it's like, okay, what are we going to do differently? How are we going to change? What do we get? What do we need to learn? I love that too. Mindless execution to active learning. There's a great Warren Buffett quote, which I'm sure that we're all familiar with, and I'm about to get it wrong, but it says, in a chronically leaking vessel, sometimes it makes more sense just to find a new vessel. Yeah. <laughs> so obviously that's tough to know when it's time to cut bait and move on, but. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I think there's a, a, there, there is something about, um, say, okay, can you make this better? Can you turn it around? If it's a little leak, you want to repair it, right? Um, I once, you know, had to learn about an evacuation from a ship. So I'll, I'll add up to what Warren said, right? And one of the rules they taught us was always step up into your next boat, hmm. which is like, you know, you, you know, you have a lifeboat there. You're standing on, you know, on the deck of a big boat. When do you get into the lifeboat? You get into the lifeboat when the water level is high enough that the boat you're stepping into is higher than what you're standing in, mm. right? And so always step up into your next boat. And I think there's an equivalent of that for companies. Which is okay, yeah, every every boat's leaking. Every company's got leaks to it. But are you really stepping up into the next boat? That is another pearl right there. <laughs> I love it. Okay. So obviously – you, you have to have a, a, a highly functioning team. Um, so advice to the, the, the chief of human resources or the people that aren't necessarily the, the, the president or the CEO of the company. Yeah. It's, uh, human resources is going through a massive change right now, right? And it's a, it's a massive mind shift change. Keep in mind, everything we've just been talking about is like you, you have to stop being a knower and you have to start being a learner. Right, because the learners are the ones who are going to not get fracked. That's the first step. The second thing is when you think about your people, right? And this can be this doesn't have to be for a whole company. You know, if you're the, you know, chief human resources officer, this can just be if you've got a team of three or four people that you're working with. It comes down to one thing, which is, do you have a fixed mindset or do you have a growth mindset? And a fixed mindset, you know, says that. Um, you know, people, there's, there's good people and bad people, smart people and dumb people and forever that you shall be right. And a growth mindset says, no, I can change. I can get better. I can learn. Mm -hmm. Right. And the best leaders are the ones that take a growth mindset to people. Right. And so old HR organizations used to just figure out who the high performer was and focus all their attention on them rather than figuring out how to take normal, ordinary people and turn them into high performers. That's the growth mindset. Got it. I love it. 
Excellent. I, to, I remember when I was, uh, you know, uh, I was looking at schools in the Bay Area, and and this was for my for my daughter. This was back when she was six or something, and uh, we looked at some of these fancy private schools, and they immediately, you know, one of the things they always said is, "Well, we only accept gifted children." And I thought to myself, well, if you're so damn good, make my kids with you. <laughs> <laughs> that's exactly <laughs> right. But that's the growth mindset. And it's, it's true for parenting, but it's, it's, it's true at work as well. Yeah, I love it. Well, Dave, Savage Nation is ready for your difference-making tip. What do you have for them? You know, the, the biggest thing is, is to ask yourself every day, what did I learn today? What we have observed is most of us are notoriously poor at marking and milestoning our own learning. And literally, you know, I'll sit in a meeting and say, okay, so what did we learn in the last two hours? And then an the exec will say, well, I learned, well, okay, I didn't really learn this. This just more validates what I, what I stopped before. <laughs> and like, yeah, you know, you're really not good at this game, are you? Right? <laughs> That's okay. It's a muscle like any other. It's just like, you know, learning to play a sport or to run. And, you know, just like every day, just ask yourself and, and make a note to yourself in your notebook. Keep a little diary if you want. Just like, what did I learn today? So, and the whole goal is to train your brain to get good at learning because your company isn't going to learn, your department isn't going to learn if you can't learn. And, and it's a muscle you can develop like any other. I love it. That is great stuff. That definitely gets – come on. Come on. So thank you yeah. for that. And Dave, thank you so much for coming on. Where can Savage Nation learn more about you and when can we get a copy of your newest book? We're working on it right now. I'm 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 typing like furiously on it, but in <laughs> plenty of information you can get. Go to jumpassociates.com. Um, everything we have, we try to put up there so that other folks can can have access to it. You know, we we're, we just want to help the world. Awesome, I love it. Well, Savage Nation, if you enjoyed this as much as I did, show Dave your appreciation and share today's show with a friend who also appreciates good ideas. Go to jumpassociates.com and check out all the great stuff that is on that site. Thank you again, Dave. Thanks, George. And until next time, keep fighting the good fight because we're all in this together. What's up, Savage Nation? Please support the show by subscribing, leave us a review, and definitely feel free to share us with somebody you think would like it. Come on.